Welcome to Conversations on Life, Work, and Love, hosted by coaches Bonnie Blackstone and Ramey Gibbs. Our focus is to give voices to Gen X women and help them achieve a well-lived life. Good afternoon, Ramey. What's up? Hola, Bonnie. So what's up? What's new and exciting with you? Anything new that's going on? Well, what's really new and exciting and a little bit scary is that I've started a new um, blog series and it's called Delusions of Grandma, in which I will be really opening up about my life story and my journey to to where I am now, you know, and raising uh, my almost five-year-old grandson. And I... Kinda stole, borrowed the delusions of grandma from Carrie Fisher. So as much as I would like to claim that as original, she she penned it first. But I have a feeling that as she aged, she had some, uh, you know, what the hell's and how did I get here's of her own. So um, yeah. I'm starting a bit from scratch, telling my life journey, really opening up and getting raw about uh, my experience and how I got to be here as a grandma and raising a grandkid and absolutely not as I envisioned it. <laughs> yeah. But, getting a little yeah, vulnerable. It's always scary. But, so, I, but, you know, in expecting my clients and, and you and I talk about it yeah. all the time, open up about your story and realizing, eh, kind of not really walking the talk here. So, yep. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. I'm applauding you for for doing it because thank you you have so much in your story that people can relate to and will connect to you by sharing those pieces of your story well I hope so you know whether um it resonates or not I feel like it's going to be a a healing journey for me absolutely uh, a legacy to pass down so there it is yeah so speaking of healing so I did this really interesting thing on Friday and it was a breathwork course and it's a somatic. And I, I really recommend it to anybody who has any trauma in their life because it connects with you on a level that you do not expect. And some of the stories that came out of that were pretty impressive. A lot of people being able to connect with their inner child and um, mm-hmm. forgive themselves and show themselves love. That was pretty amazing. Um, my personal experience was kind of I I use the word trippy so I'm going to use it I'm going to stick with that trippy (laughs) trippy but uh, I was able I think to connect with and and this will tie in our our guest actually my um, I'll call it my source my inner light my spirit whatever we want to call it Um, because what came out was this voice it was my voice but uh, it said you are the light you are everything and it repeated mm-hmm. and repeated. So that was such a, I mean, it, again, I'm going to trippy. I don't have any other way to really describe <laughs> it, but it's been in my thoughts for the last, since Friday and today's Monday, and it will continue on, I think, because I've come to this decision that I am meant for something much bigger than what I'm allowing myself. And so now yeah. I have to figure out what that is and go for it. So that's my journey now. (laughs) That's no no small journey. Yeah. So let's, 
Why don't we introduce our guest? Because she's going to be able to pick up on some of that and go from there. Yeah. Okay. So welcome Christine Davies to our show. She is a spiritual director, um, hospital chaplain. Um, I think she wears many hats. Christine, you want to take it from there and tell us a little more about yourself? Sure. Thanks so much for having me here. And um, yes, I, I wear all sorts of hats on any given day from my vocational um, calling. I, um, a, I happen to be a Presbyterian minister. I am a, um, a, a, a manager of a chaplaincy department within a hospital and a hospital chaplain. I see individual clients for spiritual direction sessions. I teach at a seminary. I'm a former cognitive behavioral therapist, um, a mom of two very rambunctious boys, uh, <laughs> and I live on a small hobby farm um, with them and my husband out in New Jersey. New Jersey. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're on all the areas of the U.S. right now from Seattle to New Jersey and deep South Texas. So there we go. Got it all covered. <laughs> yes, yeah. we do. Yes, we do. Gloomy and rainy here. So hope it's been um, upsetting my internet. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we mm-hmm. get through this show. Keep it together. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, welcome, Christine. This is um, really, we're so excited about this topic because- we have been exploring our own inner spiritual journey, as as Ramey was mm-hmm. just saying in the introduction to her breath work. And so I think that uh, this is going to be a really fun topic. Yeah. And that might be a great place to start, Ramey, if you're well, interested. Well, let's start there. Yeah, let's do it. It's because no, I was totally just so moved by what you were sharing. And the word that kind of came to my mind when you were looking, you know, trippy or, you know, whatever it might be, was transcendent, right? Like that was a moment of divine connection mm-hmm. for you. Um, and um, and you're right. It's whatever we call it. So I have, you know, I happen to be uh, a minister in a specific religion, but part of uh, what I try to do for and with people is look at spirituality from a much broader lens. For some people, the path of religion or institution works um, for their own spirituality, and for others, it doesn't. And um, what I heard you doing is being able to connect both with yourself and what I would call that still small voice within yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In order to access a deeper truth. Um, and, um, and I also heard in there a little bit about a search for meaning and purpose in your life and, and opening that up. Uh, so I think that is beautiful and I'm, uh, eager to see how that unfolds for you, but the important yeah. part I think is that you listened, right? So I yes. think a lot of times that is what is hard for us to do, uh, listen to what might be the spirits leading a divine leading our own kind of consciousness, or intuition sometimes maybe, listen, right, yeah. yeah, intuition, inner wisdom, or sometimes listening to others, right? It yeah, is hard. Sure. We hear them, but sometimes listening with an ear for, you know, what is the impact um, and, and how do I, you know, be a better support? That's um, something else I like to teach about as well. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, you know, we could go deep here, but just to kind of gloss over maybe where I come from and where Bonnie comes from and Bonnie comes from a religious background, traditional religious background, but life is kind of led in different ways. Mm-hmm. For me, I didn't really grow up in a religious background. And so trying to find a path has been interesting because I am definitely not drawn to traditional religion, but I do have, or I am exploring, I have connected, I think with the, and I use the term all that is, 
That's what works mm, for me. All that is. I like that. all that is. Um, you can use the word divine. I do not connect with the term God. It doesn't. Yeah. To me, God is a being and I can't, I can't do that. It's more than that. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but so we all have our stories. Um, I'd love to, for you to talk kind of about that piece first. Let's start there. And then let's mm-hmm. kind of talk about grief and all of the connections there. But so how do you start where someone is mm-hmm. and kind of help them figure out their path, I guess, or yeah, tell us absolutely. more about how that works. <laughs> sure. So, um, yeah. So I think first it is what, what does feel like it fits for you and exploring that, like you said, what is the the language? What is your vocabulary of mm-hmm. what it means to be you in connection to this world? So the all, all, um, all there is, is that what you said? All that all is, that is. all yeah. that is. Okay. So that, that would be the language and I'm matching that language, you know, with you. Um, some ways I like to define kind of spirituality from a very simplistic, um, kind of framework is it is the way in which we connect with ourselves. Mm -hmm. It is the way that we connect with others or community. However, we define that for some that's family or friends for others, that's, you know, larger community organization, and then how we connect with all that is right. Mm -hmm. Or the universe, Mm -hmm. or for some people, they, you know, it would be God or the divine or, um, so those three realms. And so a lot of times with my, um, uh, the individuals I'm working with, we're looking at where are you feeling disconnected in which of those realms? And sometimes, especially for Gen X women, sometimes it's here, right? Oh yeah. A lot of times Uh, it's ourselves, right? (laughs) At this this age now, especially we're all going, how did I get here? Yeah. Absolutely. Or why is my body breaking down and betraying me in all these different ways, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, uh, so it's looking at where, where am I looking for the most connection? Is it here? Is it, is it that I've silenced that voice within me for so sure. long and let society put other voices there or dampened yeah. it for whatever reason? Is it others? Is it, is it, um, feeling a pull to be more connected, um, to have deeper and stronger relationships or relationships that have changed or evolved over time? You know, is it something that you're seeking out there? Um, or is it trying to find that connection with all that is. um, And I would say that's also where we're looking at meaning and purpose type questions. Um, And I think as we approach what I would consider like the second and a half to third act of our lives, right? Um, Mm -hmm. It's really about, you know, um, recognizing sometimes our own mortality um, for the first time and saying, okay, you know, to quote Mary Oliver, one wild and precious life, right? How how do I want to be living it? Uh, mm-hmm. What changes do I want to make? Where do I feel um, uh, pulled in a new and different direction and, and willing to kind of go outside my comfort zone here to try something else on? And I think also for individuals that don't have the trappings of, of faith or religion, I mean, sometimes that's a gift because religion <laughs> brings with it a lot of baggage uh, yeah. to not have that. But sometimes it can feel like not having a foundation um, to be able to incorporate ritual or or deeper meaning conversations. Um, and so that's where I think spiritual direction can really help people that are looking to create some of that um, and wanting to do it appropriately, you know, not wanting to you just say, oh, I'm going to, you know, pluck this from this here and, but wanting to um, find something that resonates with them. Yeah. And a lot of my clients grew up with religion too, and, and yeah. have to kind of deconstruct that sometimes. Right. Sure. Um, as, as I did and finding my own path 
into what made sense for me. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that you bring up ritual because that's one thing I miss. Mm-hmm. Um, when especially around holidays. Mm-hmm. I miss that, you know, the the Christmas hymns and the mm-hmm. the ritual around it. Mm-hmm. Um so it's it's a little bit of um a strange balance to find what works like you said taking bits and pieces Mm -hmm. and also I remember my first experience with real grief was losing my father Mm -hmm. and um people saying he's in a better place or and I would be like gosh don't say Mm -hmm. that to me that is the worst Mm -hmm. thing you could say to anybody but I remember feeling like really envious of their blind faith Mm -hmm. you know Like, Mm -hmm. I wish I could feel that way, but now I'm just devastated. Mm -hmm. No, better place would be right here. Absolutely. Oh, I, yeah, I hate that for you. That is so much of why, so I teach chaplaincy, I teach students, you know, that's why I write about like uh, what to say and what not to say, because we can do harm with our words without meaning to, right? Like we're all well-intentioned people. They're trying to cheer you up. But that can cause such wounds. And I would say spiritual wounds too. It did. Wasting someone's theology onto you. While that may be true for them, that is not, you know, your reality. And so it's going to cause that disconnection then that we talk about when we go back to, you know, ourselves. It's going to disconnect you from these people at a Mm -hmm. time where you really need people and love around you. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember Mm -hmm. if I hear that one more time, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I might throw something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that speaks to our society's, you know, larger issue with feeling uncomfortable around grief Mm -hmm. and loss and not knowing what to say, um, not knowing how to sit with it. Uh, So I always tell people, you know, what not to say is that, but then what do you do or what do you say? And sometimes it's nothing, right? It is that silence, um, having to be comfortable with just being with you and saying, Bonnie, I'm so sorry this happened. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Yeah. Just holding their hand maybe or tell me about your father and, you know, opening up those channels for heartfelt communication versus shutting down what you're going through. Yeah. It's such an awkward thing. And I think that Mm -hmm. initially when we were talking about you coming on the show, that was one thing we wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. as we're getting Mm -hmm. older, as parents are getting older or, you know, spouses, siblings, we're faced with this. And we know from experience, a little bit of experience, what we'd rather not say or do, Mm -hmm. but there is so much discomfort Mm -hmm. around it and so much taboo. And what do Mm -hmm. you say? What do you not say? Um, It's, you know, those platitudes of, well, he's in a better place. Um, Here's a casserole. I'm so ungrateful. Let me just Mm -hmm. thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. That doesn't help. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe let's talk about what to say and what not to say. But but I think also let's take it from the other standpoint too. Uh, So just my story. I Mm -hmm. lost both my parents in 2015, Mm -hmm. 12 days apart. So, and it's bizarre. They'd been divorced for 30 years it wasn't the typical one died. So the other Mm -hmm. one followed. It wasn't that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was. It was bizarre, but here we are. (laughs) So, so we're losing these people. And so I think um, people feel like they have to grieve quickly and get over with, 
but mm. that doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I've even got a couple friends that have lost their spouses already. And so mm-hmm. let's talk about what to say, what not to say from being the friend family figure. And then let's talk about what's okay when it comes to grief that mm-hmm. you're experiencing. Absolutely. So, I mean, just to, to go back to your experience, I would call that a complex grief, right? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. or, or some people use the term compounded because mm-hmm. it is not just one parent you are grieving. It is both parents, at, you yeah. know, in the same time. And, um, and I know we're talking about death and we can, I can talk about death all day. Um, I'm a load of fun at dinner parties, uh, <laughs> <Sure>. but <laughs> Uh, but I just wanted to also highlight there is lots um, of different types of loss, right? So death would fall into the relationship loss mm-hmm. category. And yes, I think that is where we are most uncomfortable as a society addressing, and it's important to spend time there. But there's other types of losses as well. Yeah. Um, so wanting to um, to name that. So even if your listeners are thinking, oh, this doesn't apply to me. I haven't had anyone you know, die close to me. You've, you've had loss. I'm telling you, it is there. Uh, we're just not always good at giving it a name or recognizing it as such. Um, but to come back to your question of, uh, you know, what not to say. So you you, you experience some of that, um, not wanting to say things. Uh, I, I would call it, um, you know, contrived platitudes or one's own kind of theology that they're putting on someone else. So I can tell you some of the horror stories that I've heard, but, um, you know, he's in a better place is a common one. Um, uh, just give it time. You'll get over it in time. Um uh, at least he's not suffering anymore. You know, these types mm-hmm. of things, anything that's at least, anything that starts with at least, I think Brene Brown talks about this, mm-hmm. is not helpful. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it's it's silver lining it in a way that is um, robbing the other individual of getting to name their true reality in that moment. Yeah. Um, so, uh, enough, so what can be helpful I had a seminary professor who put it thusly, and I thought it was great. He said, "You you show up and you shut up." Right? So Perfect. it's um, it's it's being present, making your presence known to the individual, and being with them. Um, there's a great children's book that describes this called "The Rabbit Listened." Have you all read this book? I don't have a copy no. with it uh, of it I'm with me. It Anytime down. I'm the mystery reader at my kid's school, I always read this so that I'm like sneaking in how to be a good listener um, to uh, their classes. Uh, but essentially, I love it because it's so simple and yet we don't do it. It's about um, a little boy who um, uh, builds a tower and is upset um, because it gets knocked down a tower out of blocks. And there's different animals that come and offer different ways of coping. And in the end, you know, uh, the rabbit came and the rabbit just listened to the boy and then he felt better. Um, We want to fix, we want to make people feel better, but the fix is, um, is more about us, right? And less about the other person. Um, so giving people space to be able to name whatever it is they are going through, um, sometimes normalizing that can be really helpful. It's it's tricky because you don't want to insert your own experiences on it. So you don't want to say, oh, well, you know, when um, my loved one died, I found this helpful, you know, and then it becomes about my own grief and my own experiences. Mm-hmm. But I might try, there's something simple you can try, which is called an empathy guess. And, it, and so it's a, something as simple as saying, like, I wonder if you're feeling frustrated 
at having to, you know, deal with washing all these casserole dishes, you know, or whatever yeah. the certain yeah. circumstance is. And then if the person says, yes, I mean, I am so frustrated. These people keep bringing over their casseroles and I don't want them to. Um, that means that you're helping them to name their emotion. Or they might say, no, I'm just really overwhelmed. And so I'm, I'm really fearful that I'm just not going to get the casserole dish back to the right person. And, and, and that's causing me stress. So whatever it is, it'll help them kind of unearth oh, what they're going okay. through. And what did you call that? An empathy That's called guess? an empathy guess, right? Okay. So you're guessing as to what the individual is going through, but you can use your own experiences to kind mm-hmm. of help you get there because you're thinking, okay, what did I feel like when my, when my father died? Okay. I felt this, maybe that's going on for this person. Ah, okay. Okay. So it's allowing them to speak up and speak mm-hmm. their truth versus you planting that seed. Right. Absolutely. You're, you're giving them kind of the opportunity to give voice to it. Um, and it's also difficult because everyone is, is different, right? That's why things like, um, self-care can also be so difficult because everyone's going to come at that in a totally different way. So everyone's grieving process is going to be a little different because what I might need might be different than what Bonnie or Rainey needs, right? Because we all have different personalities and experiences. Um, and sometimes people don't know what they need. That's the other thing that's hard. So I know a lot of um, people that'll, you know, text or call and say, let me know I'm here, you know, whatever you need, but we may not know right. <laughs> yeah. what we need. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So sometimes I, uh, I suggest people give very concrete suggestions. Like I, I will, um, if we're going back to the meal thing, right. I will drop off a meal on your porch. I can arrange for your house to be cleaned. We can go for a walk and talk about whatever you want, which of these three things, you know, or um, helping people to be a, a, a little bit more, um, you know, uh, um, directive in in what they're offering and then still giving that person a choice to say A, B, or C or all of the above um, so um, that, that both yeah. parties can feel listened and heard. Mm, I, like I love that. that. It could be something like, um, I'm running to the grocery store. Did you need you? anything? No. Mm-hmm. Are you out of milk? Mm-hmm. Or, or I would even school. say, I'm running to the grocery store. I'm going to get you milk, eggs, bread, and go. cheese, unless you tell me otherwise. You know, so it's it's putting it out there oh, um, yeah. to say, I'm doing this for you. You mm-hmm. can amend it however you would like. Yeah. I, Chocolate yeah. cake or Rocky Road is what <laughs> right. I'm saying. But... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then, because, mm-hmm, it's so true that when you're in the, the throes, throes of, of grief, um, when a loved one dies, you have so much business to take care of mm-hmm. on top of the loss. Mm-hmm. God, yeah. Um, you don't know which way is up. Yeah. So don't Absolutely. ask me what I need. Because mm-hmm. then that just gives me a, another happen. thing I need to do. I need <laughs> to, to tell about, you yeah. what I need now. And yeah. absolutely no, present them with options. And then another trick that I recommend for people is, and this isn't specific to grief, this can be any friendship or relationship that you have. Um, but if someone is talking about something, I've, I've used this in my own marriage, someone's talking about something, I, I've learned to say, do you want me to help you fix this? Should we brainstorm, a, you know, suggestions for this? Or or do you want to vent? I'm game for either. Just mm-hmm. let me know because otherwise we sometimes go into the fixing and the problem solving mode sure. yep. when really what the person is looking for is an opportunity, you know, to, just um, to just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I see that very much so. And I, I know exactly what you're saying with the giving options, because I think about friends that have gone through situations. What can I do? I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. They have nothing. I don't nothing. But you know, they need something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and especially for us women, right? It's hard. It's hard to ask for help. And even when the help is offered, it's hard for us to know um, you know, uh, how to, how to receive it uh, or how to state what we need. Absolutely. And then I think the other myth that I want to dispel, uh, is that, uh, you know, in terms of what people sometimes say, that's not helpful is, um, Oh, I'll, you'll get over this or I'll get over this. And sometimes people internalize this. Why am I not over this yet? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And grief, we don't get over it. Uh, You know, it just, it, it, that's not the case. We don't get over it. We, go, we move on with it, right? So we don't move on from it. It moves, we move with it. We move through it. Um, So it's very much, you know, the new normal on the other side of it, but it's changed us profoundly, you know, in, in what I would uh, consider a spiritual way. And so we're not going to be the same afterwards. And so that's why we, we can't move on. We move with, we move with grief. I like that. Yeah. I I think that most of these um, mistakes in what they say and what they do, oftentimes it's people who have not experienced it firsthand. Mm. Because mm-hmm. like you said, as you're moving with this into your new normal, this is where your, let's just call it expertise comes from. Mm-hmm. Now I can better serve a friend who is going to go through this. Inevitably, we're all going through this, mm-hmm. you know, so you can use that wisdom. Um, but yeah, I did find that for the most part, the people who were trying to help and, and I know where they come from, it came mm-hmm. from a good place, mm-hmm. but it's like, um, what's your experience in this? You know, mm-hmm. aunt, aunt, great aunt Edna 20 years ago. I don't know. Um, but no, that's not helpful. And until you experience it, you don't know, mm-hmm. you really just don't. Yeah, there's a great quote. I've not been able to find out who it's by. Maybe your listeners could find it for me. <laughs> Call uh, and it says the soul, the cry of one soul can only be heard by the soul who has already cried. Mm-hmm. And I just mm. love that that idea. Well, that just that, gave me chills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true, uh, though. Yeah, that it is our our um, deep experience that um, helps us to relate to others. Yeah. As you were talking, I am thinking of a a girlfriend of mine who lost her husband suddenly. Mm -hmm. Um, They would have been just 50. And so her whole trajectory now changed, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have all these plans and you think this is what's going to happen in the future. And so she, of course, is having a really hard time moving forward because mm-hmm. she doesn't know what forward looks like. Absolutely. And so let's kind of talk about that. So, so this has happened to you. Can, what kind of guidance would you give someone who has gone through that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm actually just writing an article um, about this and because it's, it gets into those different types of loss, right? So yeah. um, your, your friend, um, her husband died. So that's a relationship loss, right? Yeah. That is, is pretty obvious, right. but there's other losses that are going to be tied to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one that I heard you express for her is one that's called intrapsychic loss, which the idea behind that is um, essentially that this is not how it was supposed to be. 
this was not the plan I had for my future. Um, And now I, you know, my dreams are dashed in this way. And so not only is she grieving the loss of her husband, which is hard in and of itself, but then also grieving this loss for this future that she was planning on. Right. And then for others, there may be other losses, right. For some it's material. There could be huge financial components, you know, to when a spouse dies. Um, There's also role loss that can happen. Uh, You know, who am I, if I'm not, you know, so-and-so's wife and all. So there's so many different losses that are wrapped up in one. And I think sometimes just helping people to articulate those different losses um, can help normalize it for people and recognize, okay, it's, it's, it's more than just, you know, um, my, my loved one dying. And that is a lot, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's these other things that are also throwing me into a tailspin now. Um, And that is what can um, cause a lot of distress, especially when you're throwing, if you're throwing the divine or God into it, right? Because if we go back to our initial definition I may not feel connected to myself, right? Because grief has a physical component. And so that can do all sorts of things to us. Or I may feel off center in so many different ways. Maybe I'm not connected to my community. I'm certainly not Mm -hmm. connected to, you know, my husband who died, but also my friends that are maybe saying things that they mean well, but it's not hitting. And I feel like I can't go out to dinner with them and their spouses. We can't double date anymore because it's a different dynamic, all of those things. And then also if, if, um, you know, uh, they might be, I see a lot of anger at God or at the universe, yeah. um, certainly as a hospital chaplain and wanting to normalize that for people. A lot of times people think that that's, you know, blasphemy or something like that, but no, absolutely not. Depending on what your theology is, there may, there may very well be anger there, um, because this is not what you were hoping for and not how you expected things to go. Um, so some things that can help, I think, are certainly being with other people who get it. Um, and sometimes that's something like a grief support group. And now, mm-hmm. you know, there's plenty online if they're not in person. Sometimes that doesn't do it for folks. So sometimes it's, you know, there's tons of great, you know, grief podcasts out there um, about, and they can be as specific as, you know, someone who lost their spouse and just hearing from others' experiences um, can provide some of that normalization in a way uh, that I think can be healing. Um, there's a time where people may not be able to listen to that. It, it all depends. Everyone's kind of timeline for it is different. Um, and uh, But that can provide some of the community aspect of it as well. Um, and then, you know, I'm a, um, a big fan of counseling. <laughs> Uh, as a former counselor, as someone who's, you know, uh, still in counseling myself. And uh, so I think that that can um, also um, play a big role because grief can often kick up other traumas in our life uh, that have maybe been unresolved. And um, unfortunately, it's a, it's a, um, a confluence of factors. That's the the time we least want to look at those things. Uh, But sometimes there's no other way uh, kind of forward throughout it. Yeah. I can contest for that. I had to do the therapy thing for that because Mm -hmm. (laughs) losing both parents, it's like, okay, how did this happen? In my case, both my parents were uh, alcoholics. And so, Mm. you know, why didn't they choose better? Had they chose better, we probably wouldn't be in this situation. So Mm -hmm. mom, Mm -hmm. mom died from Alzheimer's, dad died from a brain tumor probably both related to the drinking um, and their Mm -hmm. lifestyle choices. So you kind of go through that. Why couldn't they do better for me? Mm -hmm. And so trying to understand that then. Absolutely. All of the 
uh, family dynamics and the family yeah. systems issues. Absolutely. And then the elements of shame involved in that anytime there's right. any sort of addiction. Mm -hmm. um, and then also the Alzheimer's, just because I know your listeners may have similar, um, you know, situations of, of parents that they're dealing with. Yeah. I think that's almost a special type of loss because you're dealing with kind of the, the loss of memory over time and, and you're grieving the loss of that individual while they're still living. Alive. And present. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I, so many people feel so much guilt over that. Uh, so just wanting to name that, that no, that is, that is a, a part of the dynamic um, of caregiving and um, having a parent that is um, uh, suffering in that way. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because um, I know, we just lost my father-in-law to dementia in uh, last August. And uh, yeah, the, you know, somebody there's coined it a long time ago. It's the long goodbye mm -hmm. and it very much is. And it almost seems more prevalent now cases of Alzheimer's and dementia. So I, th I think many of us are going to be faced with it mm -hmm. down the road. So let's talk about that a little bit, normalizing that um, long goodbye mm -hmm. and, and not feeling the guilt. Yeah. What, what can I do to support my friend mm -hmm. who's going through it with her mother? Yeah. Oh goodness. It is so hard. And because it's, it's not only the long goodbye, it's also from what I know of people going through it, it's that they're caregiving Yes. for, you know, mm -hmm. uh, so it's not like, you know, they're removed yeah, from it. And they're like, oh, it's right. It's that daily thing. And also, you know, for the individual that's going through it, you know, like, um, for you, if, if you said you had a friend like that, so for her mother, right, mm -hmm. it's the loss of dignity for her and those yes, tough yeah. conversations of having to say, you know, mom, you can't drive anymore or no, you can't, we can't keep having you live on your own because you're, mm -hmm. you're leaving the stove on or you're wandering, you know, uh, in the street and it's not safe. And so it's that hypervigilance of always worrying um, first and foremost. And then how do you navigate? It's almost like the tables have turned, right? As the, yeah. as the parent becomes the child and having yeah. to, um, to navigate that, to say nothing of the relationship that existed before, even mm -hmm. in the best circumstances, you know, right. that is going right. to be fraught. Um, and so I, I think certainly get professional help as much as you can um, yeah. to make sure that, um, you know, uh, if, if you're going through this with a parent that uh, you're, you're getting them to see, you know, the, the best specialist and the right specialist and who can help guide you through this, who kind of know um, the journey that you're on or about to be going on even deeper. Um, I would say care for oneself is going to be so paramount for this mm -hmm. because it is mm -hmm. so easy to feel helpless in the face of a long goodbye or any caregiving, we could talk about just, you know, um, someone being in the hospital, even short-term, it can be hard to even like go home and sleep and remember yeah. to shower oh, and, for sure. uh, and eat. Uh, that's always a question I ask patient families. I'm like, when did you last eat? When mm -hmm. did you last sleep? Um, because we're so, especially as women, right? We're so fixated on trying to support the other person at the, the expense of yeah. our own needs. Oh my goodness. And I yeah. cannot tell you the amount of caregivers that I wind up watching die in the hospital first before. Sure or the person that they're caring with that has long-term chronic issues because they've neglected um, you know, their, their own yeah. needs. Absolutely. So trying to make sure that you're, you're uh, and you could help your friend with this, right? Making sure that she is attentive to her own care. Um, the other thing, the other plug I will make um, for anyone right now is to really think about advanced care planning. 
Um, so uh, while you can to fill out a living will, to name a healthcare proxy, uh, that is so important. And even if you think, oh, I don't want to think about my own mortality or dying, or I just want to let you know someone else deal with it, it is a gift to it your is. loved ones. Oh and yeah. You can do that now yes. um, because then they're not left wondering or not left, you know, uh, having uh, guilt about, oh, I don't know how to choose this for my mom. Um, if someone's in the ICU and, and perhaps their organs are shutting down and the uh, doctors are talking about, um, you know, what we call a terminal extubation. Like it, it, it's, you know, we have these great technology um, and great machines that can keep bodies going, but it's, it's not the person. And I've watched so many families in distress, not knowing what their loved one would like. And so if you can spell that out for others mm -hmm. now, um, I recommend doing it. National Healthcare Decisions Day uh, is April, I think it's April 15th or 16th. It's always right around tax day because you can't ex escape death and taxes. And so <laughs> right. it's worth planning <laughs> yeah, uh, right. uh, around your death now um, because I can only imagine, you know, if someone had a um, family member that then started having dementia and all these things, but they were able to have a conversation beforehand and lay out what they would want and their wishes that is going to give um, some solace down the road. Oh, oh, I can attest to that. When my dad died, um, we were so stunned. Mm. Did he want to be cremated? Did he want to be mm -hmm. buried? Um, mm -hmm. What songs would he like at his memorial? Did he want a memorial? I mean, we were just, mm -hmm. I remember going to the the funeral home with my mom and her just like, I, I don't know. And she's looking at me to make the decisions. <laughs> like, oh, oh, and yeah. that's so hard. And that's not yeah. when you want to be making those no. decisions, and, right? And when I you're in acute to, grief. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I wanted to do that for her. She certainly mm -hmm. wasn't in a, the state of mind to do it. So she and I have been having these conversations now mm -hmm. as she's getting older. Mom, mm -hmm. please. Yeah, and want, they are um, tough conversations yeah. to have. If you and they want are a blankie and a nightlight in your coffin, I will do it for you. But I need mm -hmm. to know. Mm -hmm. We joke about, she's like, I'm afraid of the dark. I need a nightlight. So <laughs> we're starting to have these kind of heartfelt conversations. But yeah, it's really tough. As someone who's uh, raising a small grandson, mm -hmm. I hope I'm around for another mm -hmm. 20 years. But mm -hmm. these are things that my husband and I need to start talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. What and those doing are and how do you get conversations because they bring it. up our own yeah. mortality and our own um, grief. But um, like I said, I like to point them in the direction of being a gift for mm -hmm. others. And if um, if your listeners are looking for a resource, uh, what I recommend using, it's not um, um uh, legally binding in every state. So you have to do your research. There's, I think five states, it's not legally binding in, but I forget which ones. There's a great document called five wishes, okay. um, that people can, um, Google. I, um, I'll forget the name of the organization that puts it out. Um, but it's very we'll user-friendly and it details, um, you know, uh, uh, what you want done. Like one of my favorite things in there is uh, when you mentioned like the blankie or the nightlight, it gets that granular, right? So I, mm -hmm. uh, I, in mine, I wrote, you know, if I am unconscious, you know, lying in bed, I want someone to massage my hands with lotion or have, you know, uh, this type of music playing at the end of my life. And mm -hmm. um, it just, I, I'm also a control freak. So that <laughs> I want to have everything my this way. Is what I want. Uh, right. But for <laughs> those of you that aren't like me, it also, it opens up a conversation, right? There's a whole um, uh, part of that that says, this is what I want my loved ones to know. 
when I'm no longer here. And I think of just, it's a beautiful way to leave a legacy. Um, It's hard work to do, but it's work that's worth doing now um, for whoever will be caring for us. It's so true when you're left with to take care of your parents in the end and there are no directions, it's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, did I do it right? Is this really mm. what he would have wanted? Mm-hmm. Or, well, and not just that. It's what, I don't even know what to do. Where do I right. start? Exactly. So I'm trying to put my mom into a facility when she had the Alzheimer's. Mm. I didn't know what her insurance situation was. I didn't know what her wishes were. I didn't know the process. I, I'm, how do I pay for it? Where do I go? I mean, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. That's like a part-time um, job right there. Trying to figure oh my all gosh. Of that out. Yeah. yeah, it was terrible. So I wanted to, as we were talking about the long goodbye, there was something else I wanted to just talk address real quick so a lot of times we lose we lose the person twice when Mm -hmm. we go through this and if you are the caregiver in my case I'm an only child so though I didn't have her staying with me I was responsible for everything Mm -hmm. you go through a period of for me anyway I don't know if it's different for everybody but for me it was getting the phone calls at 4am she fell Mm -hmm. and and it was exhausting Mm -hmm. and you're always on your toes and and then when it's finally over there's this sense of relief Mm -hmm. followed by some guilt yeah that is so common um and people feel they feel bad about it they feel bad about and and I see this actually it's yeah definitely within this example but I see in other um areas of uh uh, lost to death as well. So maybe chronic sure. illness and, and all of this. Anybody, but a long time sufferer. Yeah. There. Yeah. Or addiction. I, I hear that as well yeah, too. Sure. Um, it, yeah. The, the sense of relief that can come um, can surprise people and then they feel guilty about it, but it is so normal. Um, and I, I think that's another one of the myths of grief, right? Is that, you know, we're supposed to feel a certain way, even the stage theory, you know, Kubler-Ross and like the, even that has kind of uh, been debunked. And even Kubler-Ross herself said, no, I never meant for it to be like linear. (laughs) It can be all of those things at once and so many different feelings at once um, that um, uh, sometimes people think, oh, I I should be feeling like this or I I shouldn't, you know, even have anger, you know, toward my loved one, uh, you know, uh, at the end of life. I hear a lot of that too. Like I'm so angry at, at, um, my parent because they can't, they're not listening or they're not, you know, understanding that they can't do this anymore. But yeah, the relief that comes is be- part of, because we have been, uh, like you described, so hypervigilant and, and we've been waiting for that day, right? We've known that it was going to come. And I think this is true in addiction as well. So I would say that's what's called anticipatory grief. Mm-hmm. And because we have been knowing that this day was on the horizon for so long, in a weird way, sometimes it can make the period that comes after, you know, a little easier because we have already been grieving that right. individual. Um, but it it is a, it's an odd uh, dynamic that I think catches a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and it's something that you are so afraid to open up and talk about. Mm-hmm. So that's Wait. where you say, you know, find people who have been through it, surround mm-hmm. yourself with people who know, because the last thing you need is someone's judgment. Absolutely. Right. And the judgment, or, or you're afraid the, of that for sure. Bristling like, oh, I don't mm-hmm. know what to say, but someone yeah. that just take your hand and just say, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. It's what you, you two do all the time, right? You encourage yeah. people to tell their stories and to be mm-hmm. vulnerable. 
and to do it with people who are safe and who are going to listen and and hold that story, you know, gently and um, and and care for you and tend to you. Um, so. Uh, but we don't always know, you know, who those people are and, and grief can bring all sorts of things out uh, in others. Right. So it's it can be the well-meaning friends that we talked about before. It can be their own fear, you know, that this is going to happen to me. Um, yes. All of this is, you know, deeply subconscious often, but there can be a distancing there um, or um, sometimes it's our own judgment. Uh, thinking like, oh, I can't talk about, you know, my loved one because it's been too long and they're not going to want to hear it. And so just even continuing the conversation and allowing people to keep talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no timeline. Good to know. So let's talk a little bit about um, Valentine's Day is coming up. What are some other sorts of grief besides the mortality, besides death? Yeah, so it's Valentine's Day is interesting this year for me because it coincides with Ash Wednesday, uh, which in the Christian tradition is the beginning of the Lenten period. And um, uh, as a hospital chaplain, that is my busiest day of the year in which Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people um, will, uh, a lot of Catholics and some Protestants will mark the the beginning of the 40 days of Lent until Easter by getting um, ashes imposed on one's forehead. And the ashes are meant to be a reminder of our own mortality. So it is always this weird confluence when uh, when Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day, you know, are on the same day. Um, but I think it also um, speaks to, um, you know, the reality that grief and love can go hand in hand a lot of mm. times. Yeah. And um, for um, Valentine's Day in particular, I think we don't um, recognize, you know, it is a hard day for a lot of people, especially, you know, uh, Reme, you were just talking about uh, your friend that had uh, lost their spouse, right? Oh, yeah. Their spouse died. That's going to be a really tough day for her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, or you just broke up with someone or you're single, you know, or, you know, or, you know, you're just not liking your spouse right now if, if you um, sure. happen to be married. There's lots of reasons that that day is hard. And I think we, um, uh, you know, celebrate love so much, but don't recognize what are the implications for it. I see the same thing around the holidays, right? And Bonnie, you were talking about the rituals around Christmas before, you know, uh, the holidays can be really hard for a lot of people who are, um, I would say grieving something, but it's not just about death going through, you know, going through chemo treatments and having to pretend like everything's okay at a Christmas party when it's really not. And, and the festivity of the season doesn't always match the inward experience of what someone's going through. Uh, so yeah, so just, um, if that, if you find yourself dreading Valentine's day, um, or, you know, had, had it yesterday and just had a, um, a, a miserable day of it, you know, just try to um, connect with the love that is within yourself uh, and give yourself some space, some grace uh, to be able to name the reality that is true for you. And the reality may be that you want nothing to do with the holiday and the holiday is bringing out more pain than it needs to. And so you can not acknowledge it or, you know, tell, reach out to someone and say, this is a really hard day for me um, and to someone that you trust and be able to kind of speak your truth into it. Yeah. 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 So talk sure. a little bit more about Ash Wednesday, because I, I mean, not really growing up in religion, I think it's more Catholic celebrated or is it Christianity across the board? I don't really even know. Yeah, it is more Catholic, although I would say in the last probably two decades, uh, more Protestants have embraced it as well. Okay. Um, but it uh, it does mark the um, 
the 40 days that uh, Jesus journeyed to the cross um, for uh, what is ultimately Good Friday and then Easter. So um, uh, Jesus dying on the cross. And then if you're Christian, you know, the belief in um, the resurrection after the fact. Um, I think for, I think that the draw for a lot of people these days around Lent it's, it's kind of funny because I, I we kind of just saw it around New Year's, right? Like that whole new year, new me <laughs> type mentality, yeah, like fresh start. I, I kind of feel like people go into Lent with the same kind of energy. The, you know, this is a, a time you'll hear a lot of people talk about giving something up for Lent. Um, and that tends to be true in, in some um church circles where it's like, oh, I'm going to give up um, chocolate or I'm going to give up, um, you know, uh, whatever, whatever vice in order to bring me closer to God. That is not really how I come about uh, that, uh, that particular observance. Uh, I don't know that me not, you know, having my peanut M&Ms is going to make me uh, any more divine. In fact, I think it'll make me more cranky. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's about what, what do I want? I, I like to view it as what do I want to turn toward? Um, in this period, what is, maybe it's a practice that I want to take on, right? What's something that I want to do or think about and be intentional about for, you know, the, the 40 days. So I think really what people like about it is that it is a limited window, right, of time um, to, to really um, take stock of, of what's going on for someone and saying, okay, this might be um, something worth exploring in this, uh, in this time period. So for instance, at my church, I'm going to be teaching a, a contemplative prayer practice. And when you're talking about uh, uh, breathwork before, mm-hmm, Rainy, mm-hmm. that was great. Cause I was like, Oh, we're, I'm, I'm going to make all the congregants at church do breathwork oh, oh, yeah. um, or, you know, Praying by coloring uh, is another one or um, uh, doing uh, different tactile uh, kind of meditations involving fingers and beads and, you know, things of that nature. Uh, so um, I invite people if they want to engage in, in Lent and, you know, to, I'm, I'm uh, spiritually progressive enough that you can be whatever faith tradition. And if you just want to take however, you know, um, uh, amount of time to, to engage in something in a new way. Um, you can certainly do that, but it's also the same thing around New Year's, right? Like you don't have to wait till January 1st. If you're wanting something deeper in your life or you're feeling a pull towards something like much like you had that pull earlier of, okay, I, I'm here for, you know, something, something bigger than what I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to pay attention to it, doing that now and, and, and being attuned to, um, uh, where, uh, the spirit or all that, all that is, uh, is mm-hmm. leading you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Christine, two more last questions for you so we can start mm-hmm. to wrap up. So tell us just a little bit, we can go on forever. This is so fascinating <laughs> to me, is. but um, <laughs> so tell us uh, an abbreviated version of how you ended up on this path. <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I'll, I'll try to make it as abbreviated as possible. Um, so I grew up very much interested in medicine and um, my mother was a nurse I was precocious and would read like the Merck medical manual for fun oh my. Um, <laughs> yes uh, I was a candy striper in the vol- in the hospital when we had volunteers that wore the pink and white striped pinafores Love that yeah uh, I worked as an EMT in the backs of ambulances for years 
Um, but it was around that time that I went through my own health crises um, and was eventually diagnosed uh, with generalized epilepsy, but it took a long oh. time to get that diagnosis. Yes, one in 26 people, that's always my pitch, um, have epilepsy. I'm fortunate in that um, medications have worked for me, although it's been a bit of a journey to get there. But I was in and out of hospitals and just, you know, um, all these doctors that I'd put on these high pedestals, um, mm -hmm. I, I found weren't really listening to me and acknowledging mm. me. And it, looking back on it, I'm like, it should not have been that hard to diagnose, but it really was. Uh, We've had this conversation time. many times. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, it, it was really funny because I used to work as the director in one of the hospitals where I had been a patient. Um, so that was uh, an interesting confluence, you know, that happened years later. Um, but it was around that time I was like, okay, this, I, I thought I wanted to go into medicine because I thought that's, that's my calling, so to speak. I want to be able to help heal people. Um, but then I was like, I think there's different ways of healing people. And my church that I attended had just gotten an associate pastor right out of seminary. Um, and she took me out to dinner and just talked to me about how I was coping with everything. And, and looking back, I'm like, oh, she was giving me that spiritual care that I now give others and teach others. And so yeah. I think that really opened my eyes to there's there's different ways of healing and being with people. Or when I was in the back of the ambulance, you know, because I wasn't driving because of the, the epilepsy. So I was always in the back with the patient. Yeah, sure. And it was, it was the patients that just wanted someone to hold their hand, right? I could do some things. I could, you know, wrap their wounds and give them oxygen. But they were saying, I don't understand why this is happening. Or they were really upset or really afraid. And so those were the spaces that I felt most drawn to. And I, you know, you can't fix it. <laughs> you can't fix someone's fear, but you can be with them in it. And I think that makes such a difference. That takes a really special person. So mm -hmm. I applaud you for that, to be able to just be that person in that time of need. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's, yeah. it's to me, it's such a gift to be with people when they're at their most vulnerable. Um, it's really hard for a lot of people though. Mm -hmm. It's what to say, what to do. It's, it's awkward, right? Mm -hmm. if, until you can embrace it because you don't know what to say. You mm -hmm. don't know how to be. So mm -hmm. to be able to do that and not be awkward about it. That's, I mean, that's huge. So, well, I've had plenty of practice. Person. I was probably awkward when I started. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward's my middle name. Mm. Christine, you had even said, you know, when you're talking about grief, that it can bring up so much within yourself. Mm -hmm. you know, it's awkwardness aside, but it's, it might trigger something. So being, um, sitting with a person in their pain and despair could be triggering as well. Mm -hmm. So it's getting past that comfort threshold, uh, letting go of yourself and just being present with yeah. the person and working through our own stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so the psychological term for it would be counter-transference, right? So right. what comes up for us in response to the person that we're helping and there's so much stuff. And sometimes that's the stuff that can help us connect even better. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, like you were talking about before Bonnie, because you've gone through this, you know, what to say and what not to say yeah. other times that are our own stories and experiences are too painful. And without realizing it, that's actually what ca causes the disconnect, right? Mm -hmm. That's what causes us not to reach out to that person. Or when we, when we visit them in the hospital, we're just talking about, you know, uh, the Super Bowl and did you see Taylor Swift? We're not talking about the fact that they're having an operation tomorrow and um, they're scared about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 All right, Christine. So from your standpoint about all of the things that you work on and all the things that you've seen and you do and the people that you connect with for our audience, are there some really big pieces of guidance um, that you might pass on that they can hold on to? 
Um, gosh, big pieces of guidance. I know there's a lot, but you know what? Like I have, I have, thing? I have little pieces of guidance if that might be okay. helpful to them. Okay. Um, and, and we didn't talk about this before, but I can, um, I can share with you my website and if they want to put their email in, I have five simple spiritual practices that they can do today. Okay. Um, that I can email them um, because sometimes we think of, especially when we're trying to cultivate a spiritual life or we're trying to recover from grief or whatever it is, we're trying to come up with a Lenten practice. We think big and we think, oh, I have to meditate for an hour or I have to read this entire religious text. I have to, you know, um, do all of these things when you can really start small. So it can be something, and uh, I think Rainy, you and I connected over this. It can be something as small as I'm going to drink this cup of coffee mindfully, yep. and yep. I am going to savor this. And this is what's going to keep me present in this moment. Later on, I will deal with what's going on with my mom and the care center and getting her help, the help she needs. I'll deal with, you know, my son who's getting kicked out of school. But right now I'm going to focus on this cup of coffee and take that time for me and being in connection um, with the world around me. Um, so that might be, you know, where I would start with what are the small practices that you can infuse kind of the sacred or divine or just meaning into throughout your day uh, without having to feel like you have to um, change everything. It could be something as simple as, you know, you light a candle um, or you, um, um, take a picture, you know, of something beautiful outside when you're on a walk with your camera. Eat that piece of dark chocolate. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think there is something to chocolate and, and right. spirituality. I agree. I mm -hmm. agree. So it's just allowing yourself, even if it's just a minute to be mm -hmm. present and silent. That's mm -hmm. a spiritual practice mm -hmm. like that. We're probably all far more spiritual than we give ourselves credit for. Absolutely. It's just about identifying that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it, it's, it's not this ritual that has to look something, you know, uh, right out of, you know, uh, a big tall steeple church. It's a, it's what are the rituals that you're right. already doing yeah. and that are bringing you moments of joy and moments of connection. And maybe recognizing them. Mm -hmm. Is that, that, that's, is that mm -hmm. a huge piece of it, right? Mm -hmm. Recognizing it because if we don't recognize it, then we don't even know we're doing it. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. And then we just start doing it with some intention, right? To say, right. oh, yeah. okay, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to drink my coffee sitting down, uh, yeah. looking out the window at the birds and not while I'm yelling at my kids to, you know, get their <laughs> shoes on and go get the bus. Right. Like, and stop uh, looking in my window this morning. <laughs> I was say that's Bonnie. That's Bonnie's practice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some afternoons or evenings when I'm cooking dinner, I'll open my microwave and go, oh, there's where my coffee went. <laughs> <laughs> I have had that experience this morning. Well. I've warmed it up for the third time mm -hmm. and now I don't even know where it is and we got to go. Mm -hmm. yeah. oh, this is, this has been such a good conversation and yes, we could, this could be a six hour show. <laughs> uh, listeners, I will say that Christine's um, emails are really fantastic. So Christine, what is um, your website again, where they can sign up for those emails? So my uh, website is Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, V as in Victor. Uh, and then my last name, Davies, D-A-V-I-E-S.com. Um, and I have a, a newsletter through Substack. So you can um, find me there or on Substack. Okay. Yes, and we will make sure to include that in the show notes as yes, well. So. Highly recommend it. I, I, yeah, I love your well, thank approach. Thank you. Thanks for yeah. reading. Okay. 
Well, it's been lovely to be with you both and get to know more of your stories. So thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you. And let's all stay in touch. We'll see where this journey takes us. I I am eager to, to see where you all wind up. All right. Well, thank you everyone out there listening. If you have your own stories about a grief journey or you're struggling through something and you just need an ear, please reach out to us. Conversations on life, work, and love at gmail.com. And we will talk to you all again next week. Join us every Thursday for more conversations on life, work, and love. And when you're ready to find your own voice and your own path towards a well-lived life, we'd love to be your coaches. Reach out to us through our websites. You'll find me, Ramey, at renovatedrealities.com. And you'll find me, Bonnie, at bonnieblackstone.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to review, rate, and follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.